Welcome back to the Compass Podcast. I'm your host, Zach, uh, joined by my colleague, Will. Will, thanks for coming on the show for this uh, for this podcast. For sure. Super excited. So we got John Bickley, who is the former research head here at Compass Mining. And before at Hashrate, uh, John has been all over the Bitcoin mining space and uh, really pumped for this conversation with him. I hope that you enjoyed this episode. If you do, please consider subscribing and leaving a review on your preferred listening platform. It really helps out the show. The Compass podcast is presented commercial free by Compass, the number one Bitcoin mining marketplace. If you want to get started mining Bitcoin, source hard to find ASICs or find competitively priced hosting space then check Compass out at compassmining.io. And now on to the show. Hey, John, how are you doing today? Hey, guys, how's it going? Happy to jump on the podcast and have a chat about the report. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so Zach and I kind of have moved into your former role at Compass, uh, heading up research and content as um, you've moved on to different things for the time being. So maybe we can kind of catch up with you and what you've been doing recently before we dive into the report. Yeah, for sure. Let's do it. So I've been, I've been in the cryptocurrency industry now for four years. I've always done um, freelance content strategy and content marketing in the industry. and. The year I spent with Compass was one of the, one of the best years I've had in in my time in the industry. And um, since leaving Compass, I've just um, I've I've gone back to to doing free, freelance freelance work, uh, mainly being focusing on analysis on market based stuff and helping some companies with newsletters. Let's, let's dive into the report. So we have this report coming out this week. Uh, very excited for it. Uh, Zach and I edited it thoroughly, went through it, uh, went through your methodology, methodology, excuse me, and your research, uh, and then the key takeaways. And so I want to kind of follow a similar path for our conversation today. Um, so in terms of methodology, uh, I noted that you you spent about six months on this piece, and then you you interviewed dozens of industry insiders uh, from all over the space, including multiple times. And then you did some literature review, some data analysis. So maybe you can give us like a two or three minute recap of your time working on the Northern American Victory Mining Index. So I think just to give a bit of a background first, we did this initiative of like looking into various Bitcoin mining regions. Started we It actually started around the launch of the Compass mining marketplace in October. Um, previously, we, we issued research reports for Kazakhstan and Russia. And these, these reports actually didn't, didn't take so long. And they just covered like key information on the region. They covered like the conditions miners faced around hardware importation, the power prices that miners secured, the um, regulatory environment they faced, et cetera, et cetera. And but once the first two two research reports were issued, it became very clear that miners, um, people on social media, and the industry in general were just paying more and more attention to North America. And it became very clear that this was the hot topic. This was the next report to cover. So, of course, we, we, we turned to tackle this, this uh, region next. But it also became very clear to me early on in the report that this was a different beast to tackle. There was like so many angles. Although we had ambitions to um, get it done fast, like the other two reports, it was it was going to be a much meatier piece. 
and it was going to take more time. And we also wanted to tackle deeper questions. And there was lots of interesting angles which could be addressed. Like, for example, you could look at, like, do try to do a deep analysis of how favorable U.S. regulations were going to be to Bitcoin miners and to come up with the research questions that we finally decided to answer. There was there was like a quite lengthy research exploration process. We, we hopped on calls with researchers and those in the industry and like discussed potential questions. And eventually we narrowed it down to providing both a comprehensive overview of the United States and Canada separately. We also wanted to address whether the U.S. could surpass China in terms of its industry size. Prior to doing this report, there have been many industry professionals jump on podcasts and anticipated that the U.S. would surpass um, China in terms of its industry size. And it became very clear early on in carrying out the research that this was this was commonly commonly held belief and people saw as only a matter of time, not a matter of not a matter of if, a matter of when. Initially I I held my my I was I was somewhat skeptical that the US could, could surpass China, but yeah, it became pretty pretty clear early on in carrying out the research that there were several very favorable factors to to mining in North America that gave a pretty distinct advantage for miners who were looking to set up for the, for the long long term as opposed to a region like China where there's there's um huge political instability and we're we're seeing we're seeing the result of that now. Yeah, for sure. So I, I mean I don't want to we're talking about Bitcoin mining in North America here. I don't want to spend too much time talking about China, but you you can't really avoid it with what's going on now, um, which it, I mean, it's kind of cool in one sense because you spend so much time working on this report before this like tectonic shift in the mining market. But here we are with North America better positioned than ever to sort of become a, a huge leader in the industry. I want to like, how do you see this evolving exactly like based on your research? So we have like tons of hash rate just shutting off and leaving China and it's going like lots of different places, like a good bit of it to, to North America, to the US and Canada. But like we obviously don't really want to repeat situation of China where like the US becomes the next China and we just have like 65% of network hash rate operating in the US. Again, on margin, maybe the US is a more free society than China, but like the, the centralization aspect is is not great. Can you share your thoughts on how you see, based on all your research, the US growing? Are people's expectations, I guess, calibrated correctly in terms of how much hash rate is going to come to North America? I would anticipate a, a power law farming where the area that is the most favorable to mining attracts the most hash rate. And that's been China today, right? And that's been an issue. And it's been an issue that has been, been discussed widely by the industry, right? And now North America and the US in particular is setting up to be that next big region. And um, I believe you're, you're inquiring about, okay, well, are we putting the network in in the same risk as it was with China? And yeah, it's like it's it's an issue. Ideally, you want hash rate to to be as distributed as possible, or it's it's better at least if hash rate is more distributed. But I don't think you can you can stop a power law from forming. But what we can have more confidence in is that different different miners are going to to want 
different things, like different different business entities are going to have um, different goals and objectives and circumstances going in. So that naturally, you're not going to get like all the hash rate in one place. Um, some people are going to find going to have some sort of um, relationships in Russia and Kazakhstan and other countries that they can leverage, and that will make them want to put their their hash rate there. And the way the the Bitcoin network is is designed, right, is um it's designed so that even if the hash rate is heavily concentrated in one region, although it's a bigger risk and it's it's not ideal, and um, the network has continued to give its key properties and and be secure and resistant to to the manipulation of centralized entities. At least today, it has. Because the, yeah, there's many there's many um, systems in place so that a huge centralization of hash rate in within one region doesn't seem like the uh, be all and end all, right? Like to date, a handful of Chinese pools have represented over fifty one percent of the hash rate. But there's many many systems in place to to make sure that this doesn't mean that the network is going to be manipulated. Like the difference between miners and full nodes plays a huge role in this, for instance. So I want to move over to the report now and talk about uh, the way you structured it and then kind of dig into the, the meat of it. So looking from an editor's perspective, uh, the first section was focusing on the US and uh, mostly about like the jurisdiction itself. What are the regulate, regulatory issues that we could see kind of popping up? Uh, what does the market itself look like there? You kind of were, did a review of the capital and energy markets. One thing that was notable to me was that you kind of look at the incumbents, the incumbents in the North American mining markets, uh, and then you kind of compare that with the Chinese markets. And that kind of also delves into chapter two as well. Uh, when you're looking at the startups and you're looking at the younger firms in the U.S., uh, what was notable to you? Because, of course, we know that China has always had this mining industry. It's been there since 2013. North America has not. But there's been like this small group uh, that's been popping up in the U.S. What are like some, some notable features about them? Um, uh, some notable takeaways that you saw from the North American Bitcoin mining industry? Uh, yeah, one takeaway I'd say is that um, miners themselves, the people who are actually hashing, are really at the at the heart of the industry. One of the reasons it made sense in China for to have such a broad and versatile ecosystem around the mining industry is because there was actually hash power there, right? It made sense for various companies providing various services to arise. And then as um as more hash rate actually began to reside in North America, we've seen this huge increase and grow in various companies providing various services to to the industry like the estimates from the report were the hash rate grew from from 7% in September 2019 that was a, a estimate from Cambridge to 14% in July 2020 um that was that was an estimate from Biduda and we've seen over that time frame and beyond that the North American ecosystem has just continued to grow. More companies have came up to service the hash power that is um, that is within North America. And um, now today we're seeing mining pools, we're seeing um, Foundry and Galaxy Digital launching these capital and advisory services and forming partnerships with hardware manufacturers, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So yeah, look, looking into this, it just highlighted to me that 
at the end of the day, those those that are actually hashing are at the at the heart of this ecosystem, and they play a huge role in how the rest of the ecosystem evolves. What are some firms that you've looked at specifically and have been impressed by? Um, whether it be like a mining pool popping up in North America, or a startup, or a firm that's maybe even publicly listed. Um, yeah, it's a good question. It's it's kind of hard to ignore the entry of Galaxy Digital and Foundry into the ecosystem. Like these these are are huge players, huge institutional players, and their entry into the ecosystem really is a huge trust signal for the evolution of the Bitcoin mining industry in North America and its prospects going forward. Like a few years ago, the, the, the future of the North American mining industry looked highly uncertain. But once you see the entry of, of these huge players, the capital they're willing to commit to the industry and their yeah their their activity in the industry it's, it's hard to debate that the North American mining industry doesn't have have a huge future yeah so you highlighted foundry there and one uh, kind of idea that I was playing with last week in our uh, newsletter was the idea of what does Chinese hash rate look like as it moves and it, like how does it pool again so like historically Chinese hash rate has resided in Chinese pools but if all that Chinese hash rate is still Chinese owned but in North America is it going to shift to some North American pools and overall the industry insiders I talked with said no and it makes sense because you can just you can have a pool anywhere. You just need an internet connection and low latency. Um, but I'm wondering if you think there's going to be a decent shift in the pool infrastructure within the U.S. Do you think pools like Luxor, Blockware, Mara, or uh, Foundry, others are going to kind of pop up and gobble away some of the hash rate from these historically larger Chinese pools? I, yeah, I believe that North American pools... Like it's it's hard to estimate how much is going to shift and blah blah blah. But naturally, the migration from China to North America would suggest that, of course, North North American mining pools will be able to compete for a larger share of hash rate. Not all the the hardware that is migrating from China to North America is still going to be owned by Chinese miners. Some of these miners will use this as their their exit from the industry. They'll say, okay, this like I had a good run while it lasted. And then they will sell and exit the industry. And of course, North American miners and miners elsewhere have a huge ha- appetite for, for hardware because it's a key bottleneck in the industry. And, and they will use it as their chance to, to expand. And of course, uh, North American miners will have a propensity to use North American pools. So North American pools are just naturally in a better position because of this migration from China. I don't know how it's going to play out, whether China Chinese mining pools will continue to hold a dominant share of hash rate. But for sure, the migration from, from China to North America would suggest that North American mining pools will at least have a bigger, bigger share of the hash rate. And yeah, I believe I, I read a recent piece from yourself and Zach, and um, it showed the huge increase in hash rate that Foundry has received. And then it showed a huge drop from, I believe it's 1TH hash, which is a, a mining pool, I believe, based in, in Sichuan. So yeah, that just, just highlights the, the transition. 
I was just wondering if you could give like a quick summary, like focusing on North America for a minute um, and ignoring sort of the global shuffle of ASICs. Like what are some of the key distinctions between the mining environments uh, in the U.S. versus Canada um, as these miners are migrating to North America? Like what are some things maybe they would consider picking between the two countries um, and even within the two countries, like state and local jurisdictions, like in your mind, based on this this analysis and research, uh, how do you think or how do those two countries differentiate themselves um, in your mind? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. And go, going into this research report, my my knowledge was rudimentary of of United States and Canada ecosystems. So it was interesting for myself personally throughout the process of of doing the research report, noticing the differences between Canada and the US, talking to professionals who really spent years at the heart of these industries. So what really became clear very quickly from discussions with people is Canada and the US offer very distinct environments to to miners. There's definitely oppor- there's definitely huge opportunities for Bitcoin miners in both, but their relative rewards and risks are also very, very different. What I would say about Canada is Canada is it, it offers a chance to secure power prices that are extremely low, but it's also a very bureaucratic environment. One of the most bureaucratic nation states today. And that does pose some risk to to miners. And not only does it pose some risk to miners, it also um, hinders scalability because there's regulations in certain industries that few are in certain areas that few consume. Um, If a power producer is like selling X amount of energy, they might have to, or I believe if a consumer is consuming X amount of energy, they may need to also sell some of this energy back to the grid or interprovincially. Yeah, I might I might be paraphrasing there or not saying that completely accurately, but yeah, this this part is also included in the report that um there are regulations and bureaucracy in place that prevents miners from really scaling. And that's why we don't see the ambitions of such big farms in the Canada as we see in the US. And um, yeah, this this bureaucratic environment can also make it difficult to secure electricity, secure facilities, you know, it can it can add, add costs. But then when it comes to to smaller scale mining operations, Canada can be a very attractive region. But I believe the people who are looking to set up huge facilities and try and quickly sort out their, their power and um, set up structures for the long term, these these big miners that are looking to make multi-decade long enterprises will, will likely be turning to to US. So I guess before we leave, I'd like to get your last thoughts on the report. What are were some major takeaways with you from the report? I mean, 50 pages long, went through the ins and outs of North America. You went through energy grid mixes. You went through uh, jurisdictional differences. You went through uh, mining companies. What if you had to give maybe two or three things to walk away from the report with? What would that be for you? Yeah, I think I think it's worth pointing out that um, like the the report covered many different areas, right? It covered, let's say, one regulation, two capital markets, three the electricity markets, and four the hardware markets. 
And we tried to strike the balance between providing useful, accurate information, but also not going so deep as to overwhelm um, the readers. But each of these reports could, could certainly warrant their their own own research report, right? And hopefully, maybe future research by Compass or other companies in the industry will be attracted to, to doing further research in these areas. Um, what really struck me was hardware and energy are really at, at the heart of competitiveness in, in Bitcoin mining. And number one, hardware, it remains, it remains the key bottleneck in the industry. In the research report, I made an attempt to analyze some of the factors shaping the hardware market and anticipate how it may evolve moving forward and what that meant for the relative attractiveness of mining in China versus North America. But today, hardware remains the key bottleneck. Mining is an extremely profitable activity, especially at current prices and difficulty levels. And there is an unsatiable appetite for hardware globally. So that's number one. Number two is um, the energy markets. It was extremely interesting diving into the Texas ARCOP market and the ability to radically reduce your electricity rates in that market by participating in demand response programs. From what I gather, this this is, is still a largely unexplored area and only a handful of miners are effectively leveraging this opportunity. But over the coming years, I, I can see for sure a lot more hash rate coming into the Texas market and doing their best to reduce their electricity price by participating in these demand response programs. So there, there are two things which, which really struck out to me. That makes a lot of sense. To save, to save anyone or to give the TLDR for the report, there's just enormous growth potential in, in the US and Canada. Um, and we've only seen that potential grow even more so with the exodus from China. I guess, as you mentioned, the only problems now are, are hardware and rack space to accommodate uh, sort of the transition. Um, but with time, uh, maybe a year or two, or hopefully not more than that, but somewhere in that range, we'll see a massive amount of North America's mining potential realized, and it'll be exciting to watch. Yeah. Thanks, John. And um, I'd say also before I go as well, uh, this report wouldn't have been possible without the the hard work put in by the, the Compass team and the great service provided by Compass. And yeah, w- w- without that, uh, Compass wouldn't have been able to build such such good relationships with um with miners and different service providers in the industry. And yeah, I wouldn't have been able to to do the interviews to make the report possible. That's a wrap for us at the Compass Podcast. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you did, please subscribe and consider leaving us a five-star review on your preferred listening platform. Thanks again, everyone. The thoughts and opinions expressed by the hosts and guests on the Compass Podcast are their own and do not represent the opinions of Compass Mining, Inc. None of this content should be considered financial advice.